Kia ora koutou. Welcome to the panel, RNZ National, Anton Matthews and Julia Hartley-Moore with me this afternoon. Now, just a uh, more traffic updates. A breakdown is blocking the middle northbound lane on State Highway 20 adjacent to Hillsborough Road off-ramp. So do pass with care and expect delays. Also, very, very wet out there. So if you are uh, heading out of town, uh, just be very, very aware and do drive safely. To this first... Hurricane Ian, a catastrophic storm storm has surged through Florida, leaving rescue crews scrambling. The storm has flooded homes on both of the state's coasts, cut off the only bridge to a barrier island and knocked out electricity to over two and a half million homes and businesses. It's been described as an historic storm, such is the magnitude. Alexis lives in a condominium in Naples, Florida, who, with her husband, felt the full force. I spoke to her before the show and asked what happened to her. Pretty extraordinary images we're seeing uh, from here. Um, what's happened to you? I live in a building in Naples, Florida, on the eighth floor, and the damage here has been catastrophic. It's unrecognizable. The whole first floor of our building was completely flooded. Trying to keep the water out was completely impossible. The storm surge was just so powerful, nothing like anybody here has ever seen before. We were speaking with residents here who have been here for over 30 years. They've been through multiple hurricanes, and this definitely was the worst one. There are cars scrambled all over the road that were picked up from the storm surge. There's dumpsters, there's large trees down. There's just so much destruction. It's honestly unrecognizable and so shocking for all of the residents here in Naples, Florida. Yeah, I can imagine, Alexis, I mean, some of the images I've seen, uh, one you posted, uh, the water that uh, cascaded through a locked closed door was just like something out of a film. It was. my That happened to my husband. The whole door frame came off, and the only reason he was in that area was because in our building, the fire alarm was going off nonstop, and we were listening to the radio, and the radio said that there was a large fire in our area, but the fire department was completely submerged. So my husband wanted to make sure that we didn't have to evacuate due to a fire, and he had to go down the stairwell because our elevators were not in service, obviously. And he got down to the first floor and was taking a video of the water coming in because he couldn't believe how much water there was. And unfortunately, at the time he got down there, the door decided to give in completely, rip the whole door frame off, the whole door. It's completely mangled. It's just a disaster. There's an air conditioning unit in the stairwell. The water pushed him up the stairs and sucked him back down and took his shoes off. And by the grace of God, he was able to hold on to the railing for his life. And he is okay. He is a little bruised up and scraped. But overall, it could have been way worse than it was. There have been reports of people injured. There have been reports of deaths uh, at this stage. Uh, What, if anything, are you hearing, Alexis? We have heard that there are people who have unfortunately passed away during this storm and that it is one of the worst hurricanes to ever hit the United States. And it it is undeniable that it was definitely one of the worst storms. I just can't even believe. I'm still in shock 
at what we saw. Alexis, stay well, stay safe, and thank you for being with us here on the panel, Radio New Zealand. Thank you so much for having me. And with us now is meteorologist Caitlin Wright from WCCB in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, Caitlin, welcome, and I really appreciate you staying up for us, Caitlin. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So what are you currently in Fort Myers? Some really incredible scenes coming out there. You would have just heard Alexis in Naples, Florida there. Tell us what you're seeing. Yeah, so in Fort Myers, just as she was mentioning, it's been catastrophic. Images and videos coming out of Fort Myers Beach, which is obviously a low-lying area, but the amount of storm surge several feet in some areas, seven, eight feet, just completely leveled. And you were talking about at the beginning of the panel how there are bridges that are wiped away. And so people that are still on some of these barrier islands, like Pine Island and a couple other ones, if they're trapped there, there's no way for emergency officials to get to them. They're still there. Um, and, area, and people that did or were fortunate enough to evacuate, they don't know what they're going to be coming home to. Power is out across much of the area. It is going to take not only a couple of days, not only a few weeks, but this will take months, if not years, to rebuild. We have a panel with us, Caitlin. Now, what are you hearing here, Julia? Extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, just extraordinary. It is extraordinary. It's, you can't even imagine it. It's worse than a movie. I mean, I'm just sitting here shaking my head and thinking, I mean, I, your water is such a force, isn't it? It's such an incredible force. And I keep, and I, I, I mean, I think of, okay, not only people, but animals. What's happened to all these animals? And, um, and two million people without power. I mean, it's just, you can't wrap your head around And this is where they'll be turning to Caitlin now once the storm does pass, the whole logistics of the exercise. So are you getting any sense of uh, that there's real impetus behind that? Well, you know, so for this, for the area of southwest Florida, dry air is building in and the stormwaters are receding, but the United States isn't done with this one. So now we're mm. still dealing with what just re-intensified as a Category 1 hurricane, Hurricane Ian, and it's going to make landfall along the South Carolina coast now. So this storm is just relentless, and it's terrible. And in terms of southwest Florida, you know, we're talking about the power being out. Think about the, the cell. People don't have cell service. So even mm. if people need help, I mean, everything is wiped out, seriously leveled. So people can't even call. I mean, this was worst-case scenario that played out in southwest Florida. The coast of South Carolina will be a little bit better off, but they're still expecting across some areas up to a seven-foot storm surge once again. Good grief. Worst case scenario being described here, Anton, it's, it's quite something, isn't it? I mean, hard to imagine, but, and Anton, these sorts of storms, I can, we can anticipate just to increase in pressure over the years. Yeah, I mean, that was what I was going to say. You know, obviously, our thoughts are with everyone who's in it yeah. and the, you know, the children who are probably, you know, very, very scared and worried. And, and yes. so it's not nice for anyone. Uh, and I feel a lot of sympathy for um, the people of Florida at the moment. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'd, how how normal is it um, now to hear a once-in-a-100-year storm? Mm. I mean, we had two of them uh, in a couple of weeks in Nelson. Um, we had them in the far north here in uh, yes. Aotearoa, yeah. and it seems to be happening all around the world. I mean, yeah, climate change is, is real. It's here, uh, and, it's, and it's we're just going to have to learn to grapple with it. It's very, very sad, but it's, um, you know, 
we need to wake up and do something about it, don't we? And Caitlin, questions will now be turning to that, I guess, uh, once the uh, cleanup starts on a local level. Uh, you know, the the political questions surrounding, um, you know, uh, how well prepared is parts of Florida, which you know, very low lying, isn't it? Yes, extremely low lying. I mean, a lot. There's a lot of kind of marshy areas, and a lot of these barrier islands. You know, I mean, they're just hardly sticking out of the either Gulf of Mexico or the Atlantic Ocean on either side of Florida. So, I would say Florida's infrastructure definitely has some way to go. Um, but I would also say just getting out of there in Southwest Florida. I mean, the state of Florida is extremely narrow, so evacuations take hours. Um, in terms of how prepared our government agency, the National Hurricane Center, did a wonderful job with this forecast. Um, I, I would just say advice to anybody ever in this situation is heed your evacuation orders and take every single storm seriously. The best case scenario is you leave and nothing happens to you or your home. Caitlin, thank you so much for being with us here on the panel. I do appreciate it. That's uh, meteorologist Caitlin Wright from WCCB in Charlotte, North Carolina. Before that, we had Alexis, who lives uh, on the eighth floor of a condominium in Naples, Florida, and felt the full force. Gosh, there's a video of the security door. I mean, it's, it's a really heavy security door with um, a large metal brace, and you see it. Mm. And the. <laughs> but look the, at the force. The, the of wave. Water. Yeah. The wave just. Oh, uh, did you see it, Anton? Yeah, I watched the videos. It's like a yeah. prison door or like yeah. a safe door that pops off its hinges. It's unreal. I mean, water is nothing to mess with. It's so no, powerful. Exactly. As That's, you were saying, Julia. Yeah, it's it's cruel. It's cruel. But you're right, Anton. This is this is what's happening. This is the world now. And but crikey, that's scary stuff to see. Yeah, so we'll keep in touch with Alexis and see how she's faring in uh, a couple of weeks or three weeks or so. Eighteen past four. You're on the panel. RNZ National. So. Have you opened your election papers yet? Go on, have a look to see if they're still there. Voter turnout has been at a record low. In many places, just half of what it was at the same time in previous uh, elections. Topol has the least engaged voters of all. Just 3.9% of the district's eligible population had voted by Tuesday, compared to 14.7% at the same time last election. The Carterton turnout, though, was fairly respectable. They ranked seventh highest for voter turnout in 2019, but they knew that this year it'll be hard. They put voting boxes literally along the state highway. Meanwhile, RNZ is reporting today that it's con- this concern that tens of thousands of people recently granted residency could miss out on voting in the local body elections. With us now is Lisa Brown, Communications Manager at Carterton District Council. Lisa, kia ora. Kia ora. So you had a feeling that this year was going to be particularly tough. Uh, yes, it looked like it was going that way. Um, people are quite um, disengaged with local councils at the moment. We have a very engaged small rural community, but we had seen the impacts here of um, increased uh, reforms and mandates imposed on councils and impacts of COVID and just general fatigue with uh, rising living costs and everything that everybody's feeling at the moment. And um, I guess it creates a little bit of general disengagement. So we knew it would be tough. So we went, thought, tried to think a little bit outside the square this time around. So what did um, you do? 
Oh, so with our scanned campaign, we really got out there and hit people with the uh, old slogan, grumble, grumble, angry online comments, sound like you, stand for council. Um, <laughs> and now with the voting, you know, we um, we love the regular slogans of have your say and, you know, show your voice and exercise your democratic rights. They're all very valid and um, authentic sayings, but they're just not working. So we wanted to be uh -huh. a little bit more blunt and just get right across to people why it's going to hurt them to not vote. So we said, vote because you're going to be stuck with them for three years and vote because they decide how your money is spent and vote because likes change bugger all. Huh. Um, and we're seeing a pretty decent uh, voter turnout so far. We're at 19.88% as of oh, yes. day yesterday. That's, That's good. pretty on par with our 2019 figures of 2037 and probably not far off what Auckland will get overall. So, Anton, it's about changing up the messages, messages right? Well, look, I mean, good on you for doing something um, and not just sitting on your hands. Uh, yeah, look, I think there's something to be said about just being honest, straight up, frank, to the point, right? Yeah. And, and, and you can lay people's um, terminology because that's how we speak every day. Mm -hmm. So I think good on you for being um, straight up and just saying, look, vote for them because you're stuck with them for three years. You kind of go, oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, but ain't that the truth? <laughs> it is, totally. So, no, good on you. Well done for doing something. Look, I know I've heard a lot of people talking about why is the voter turnout so poor and um, there's lots of good theories going around. I just, um, I think at the moment people have got a lot going on in their life, yeah. and it kind of speaks to my earlier point. A, eh? you know, people are, people are tired, uh, and so just obviously just doesn't rank high like enough high on people's fair point. Yeah, and, and uh, I think it should, but you know, for whatever reason, it isn't. Yeah, yeah. TJ says I still haven't received our voting papers down here in Otatahi, Christchurch. Fingers crossed for Monday. If you haven't received the papers, please text me two one zero one. Stay there, Elisa. Julia? Yeah, no, I have received my papers and I've filled them in and I've, I'm all good to go. And I totally agree. Say it how it is. It is the truth. So, have you posted yours, Julia? Yep. Oh, you have? Oh, so, well, have you? Because I, I, well, no, I haven't because I filled them out. Yeah. And, uh, and What's your funny. reason? Well, look, I read the booklet. That was quite funny. It was quite entertaining to read all the spelling mistakes and some of the crazies. But look, I read it. I had fun. I put it out. I've, I've, I've sealed it in the envelope, but it's sitting in my car because you have to post it in a, in a post box. Oh, I know. You see? I know. I've got to go and find one. So, I've, yeah, see, I got one very close to me. That's the only reason I'm the same. Uh, at least yeah. Anton is really going to spark the uh, text of light on that one because Harry's done all he can. Name anybody, Wallace? But no, no, no. He's, <laughs> but he's going to democracy. No, no. But he, he, here we've got the situation, Lisa. Ray, eh? you know, you do your best. You fill it out. It's in your car, and it goes no further. You can't, you can't find a blooming post box, Lisa. Yeah, until until you and you realise your voting papers are in the car the day after it closes. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we also knew that um, we were sitting there thinking, oh, where are the post boxes around? And I'm, like I said, we're a small rural community; we should all know where they are. But but you just very rarely post letters. So yeah. we got these big orange bins saying "Vote Here." <laughs> um, put them at five locations around town. One being at the only supermarket Carterton has, and it's right along State Highway. Too. Um, you, you really can't miss it and um, it means that we can send votes down right to the last day and ensure that they get down there because Good we idea. will empty those bins personally and career them down there. Elisa, but what I say to everybody yep, briefly. Still, 
Yep, so it's still um, sitting on their voting papers. Look, it isn't actually that hard to open an envelope and tick a box. We do it when we get our rates bills and then we all complain mm. about how much our rates cost. <laughs> so if we can take a minute to open our rates bills, we can take a minute to tick the box on who's going to spend that rating money on our behalf. Very Fair good. Enough. Yeah, very good. Namihi nui kiakwe, Elisa. Thank you very much. Uh, I have filled. Uh, I have papers filled out, but can't find a post box. Also, haven't received papers. We are in Rokaka Fangare uh, electorate. Twenty four past four. Now, an ongoing housing inquiry by the Human Rights Commission, based uh, on the twenty eighteen census, has estimated that over a hundred thousand people are currently facing homelessness in Aotearoa. A hundred thousand people. So the number includes people without shelter, those in temporary accommodation or sharing accommodation, and people living in uninhabitable housing. Another issue is that people living with a disability or uh, mobility requirements often struggle to find a home that meets their needs. Here to discuss this further is the Human Rights Commission's Housing Inquiry Manager, V. Blackwood. V. Welcome. Kia ora koutou. Well, that number really hit me today when I uh, saw that. 100,000 facing homelessness, that's here. What is it? Uh, approaching the population of the need, and why is that number still so high? It's a shockingly high number. Uh, I think everyone who sees that would be absolutely taken aback. That number covers the number of people who are in severe housing deprivation, so it's people without shelter. Um, people also in temporary accommodation, like night shelters and motels, people who are sharing accommodation, like couch surfing because they've got nowhere else to go, and people in un- uninhabitable housing. So what we've heard is that what's driving that um, number up is the affordability crisis in rentals, that increasingly people cannot find a rental that suits um, their incomes. They can't afford to pay. Can't afford to pay for your rental on your income. Let's bring an ant on. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty shocking. I read the article, it's pretty shocking. And when you think about shelter, you know, it's, um, I did listen in, in, uh, in class, and I think Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that was right at the uh, bottom of the pyramid, wasn't it? Shelter, food, water, uh, and sleep. Mm. That's among mm-hmm. the basic necessities of life. That's what we all need. And so it's pretty upsetting and sad to hear that there are so many people out there who uh, you know, don't have the basics, the absolute basics. So I'm not sure how you solve it. It's a big issue, um, yep. but it's pretty... But that, that's kind of a, a cheese at home, doesn't it, V? You know, if you've got your uh, essentials, uh, shelter is at the top, and here you've got 100,000 people that uh, are in no shelter or, um, or um, not good enough, V? Mm, not good enough. Um, You're you're so right that it is in the hierarchy of needs. It's one of the absolute basics, and that's why it is a human right, a human right to a decent home. When people don't have decent housing, it's very difficult to participate in the rest of society. I've just heard you speaking about voting in local elections. If you don't have anywhere to live that night, how likely are you to pay attention to who to vote for when you're scrambling just on the day-to-day basics? Um, In terms of Fixing that issue, what we've seen is that increasing the supply of public housing is a huge indicator of getting people into houses. And we do have to commend the government for their social housing build program. They've delivered more new social housing than any government in recent times, but they're playing catch up because we've been in such a loss for so long. Okay, Julia. 
I just well, you you got to have you've got to have shelter. You got to have a house to be healthy to to function. You've got the feeling of security, don't you? Yeah, but, Secure, but, you're warm. That's exactly you know, you, right. You, you, you got your warm curtains. You close out the lights. You have you can have a good night's sleep. How do you function? How do you go to work? How do you do your job? How do you, when you don't have those basics, right? And I look around where I am and the building and the houses that are going up and I think, you know, there's all this building. I do agree, though, that houses should be made, you know, um, disability friendly. Everything should be done. You should think of those sorts of things. Can we bring that up? Because you're applauding the government on one hand, V, about, uh, you know, doing more. But uh, I'll tell you what, and we talked about this on the panel. Um, (laughs) There are some people in wheelchairs who can't go through the hallway. They can't get to the toilet. Because they That's can't right. fit into the door. And apparently, it's quite an issue. It's a huge issue. We don't have clear data. So New Zealand does not have clear data about the number of houses that are accessible for our population with physical disability. Um, but it's estimated to be at most around 1% to 2%. If you compare that to the 17% of people who say they have unmet modification needs, there's a huge gap there. Uh, my colleagues just went to speak at the UN Committee on the Rights of Disabled Peoples last month, and um, that committee recommended that the government should commit to a target of 100% accessibility for new build public housing. What is it now, 5%? Moment, uh, the commitment is to 15%, 15%, making full universal design standards. Um, and raising that up to 25% over time. 15%, eh? Yeah. Hey, very nice to be with you. That's V. Blackwood uh, from the Human Rights Commission Housing Inquiry uh, Manager there. Now, by the way, here's one for you, Anton. Um, um, you still got your papers in the car? Because I've got to, I've got, <laughs> do I have the deal for you? Thanks, uh, Angela. Please tell listeners and Anton to Google postboxmap.com. It's <laughs> Now you're just making uh, sense, Wallace. Yeah, see, I'll, I'll and, do it. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get round to it. I just haven't yeah. yet, but, you know, I'm just making excuses. Need to know information here uh, on the panel. We are with Julia Hartley-Moore and Anton Matthews. Uh, lovely to have your company this afternoon, Friday afternoon, very shortly. Boy, do we have a power ballad for you.